that I have to sell. Hello and welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. I'm Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you for joining us once again. As always, we exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. We love having special guests here and there. It doesn't happen every single episode, but today on this episode, we have a very special guest, Jessica Helm. Welcome in to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Thank you, Pastor. Is this your first time on a podcast? Uh, yes. I, That's, I love that. That's my favorite part of doing this is bringing people on the pod for the first time and watching their eyes and their reaction and you know it's it's like taking someone on a mission trip for the first time which i've done before i I love that feeling so here you go you're on the grace point daily podcast and part of one of the things that we like to do is we love to share stories stories encourage us people's journey of faith we're all on a journey we're all walking through phases and seasons of our walk with christ and it requires different elements of faith and you have a great story regarding your daughter that we want to talk about today on this podcast but before we do that let's just Let's talk about you for a second. Tell us who Jessica Helm is and where God has brought you, your journey of faith. Well, I am a mother of four wonderful children. Um, One's in college and one's in kindergarten. Yeah, (laughs) two in between. Um, But I am basically considered a cradle Catholic. Um, I was born in the Catholic Church. And then as a teenager, I went to the Methodist Church with my mom after my parents got divorced. And so then that's pretty much how I would say my, my growing up days were as a Christian. Yeah. So you kind of grew up with a little bit of a foundation, little knowledge of, it's not like you were an atheist or didn't believe in God or anything like that. You said your parents got divorced. When did that happen? Oh, that happened when I was about 11 years old. Okay. Was that hard? Was that a life defining moment? I know for me, I come from a divorced family and that is a photographic memory in my brain to this day. Yes, it was very, very difficult time. Did that alter faith, belief in God? How did, did that do anything in terms of? No, it it didn't, but it did rock my world. Like, it, yeah, it just it rocks your world whenever your parents split up, especially when you have. It just takes you like you had no. As a child, you didn't have any warning signs. It was just like, mm-hmm. oh, dad's moving out and he's not coming back. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. So you grow up, obviously, you grow up a little bit Catholic church, Methodist church. You said you participated here and there. And then you become a teenager. Did you do anything reckless, crazy? Did you have a, a crazy lifestyle, a decent lifestyle? I'd say I had a decent lifestyle for sure. Um, you weren't when, doing drugs. You weren't a prostitute. You weren't uh, no. <laughs> any of those things. No, I was very conservative. Okay. My brothers were the crazy ones, right. but no, me, I was very conservative. You know, no drugs, no real alcohol, no none of that. I was not the partier at all. I was just. Did you look at yourself as a Christian? Did you call yourself a Christian in that time? Yes, I did. I was. Yeah, I would keep my prayer journal and stuff like that. Oh yeah. wow! Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but it wasn't. In Europe, in hindsight, it wasn't necessarily really real or it wasn't like. Right. I don't think that moment really happened to me until I was uh, um, actually married to my current husband and went to the women's retreat over in Ozark, Missouri. And what happened there? Um, They had basically like an altar call and asked if you basically hadn't gotten slain or spoken tongues or something like that. So I went up and. It was 
I remember it like it was yesterday. You just go down <laughs> there and it was just like a whole flood of people. And I totally was slain in the spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. It was, it was like a awesome moment like you'd do it over and over again yeah. and at that at that point had you been to an altar call before or was this the first no that would have been time? my okay. first altar call experience <laughs> so were you freaked ever. out were you thinking i don't know what's gonna happen right now no i think a lot of that is just i knew that i was just opening my mind and my heart and my spirit up for going forward because i Personally, I feel like if you're closed, then you're not, nothing's going to come in. So I knew that if I really wanted that, I needed to make sure that I was opening my mind truly up for this. If I truly mm-hmm. wanted this, I needed to be open and not have any, you know, expectations one way or another. Yeah. So. That's um, great. That's a great, you'll have to encourage people someday when we talk more about the Holy Spirit in regards to that, because I think that's a big hindrance for a lot of people receiving spiritual things from God is that they just don't just open yourself up and you have to be available uh, for what God wants to do. And and so many people miss out, I think on a lot of super awesome God moments because they, they got all these barriers and walls and things built up and it's just like, just let God do what he wants to do. But this was a powerful moment for you really kind of set forth a a life of pursuit or passion from that point on, would you say? Oh yeah. So from that point on, I feel like, um, at this church, I've just been like anything I can serve or do, I'll do it. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I, you know, try to make sure I'm open and willing to do anything that the church needs help with. Yeah. So. Yep. And you got wonderful children that are pursuing God, want the presence of God in their heart and their life as well. But today we want to kind of more specifically dive into this story regarding your daughter and that journey. Kind of describe what that is. Um, yeah, so one of my daughters, Kenna Marie, um, was born with esophageal atresia. So she was born with a 10, what they call a 10 gap, a vertebrae gap. And so at age of five months, we're in the NICU this whole time. So at five months, they decided, okay, she From birth was, to five months. Birth to in five the NICU. months. In the NICU. Wow. Yes. And so at this time, they're like, okay, she's big enough. We'll go ahead and do the repair. So they did. And the repair went beautifully. I mean, like, absolutely awesome. And then they um, put a J-tube in, which is kind of like a G-tube for people who don't know. It's the feeding tube um, into her stomach. And that went fine at that moment. And then they let us go home a few days later. And so we went home. And then I think we were home maybe five days. And she got sick. Um, They had us rush her back to the hospital. First, they told us it was a virus, and then I went to change her diaper, and blood was coming out, and it was coming out of her J-tube, too, and so I went and said, this is not a virus, Um, and they um, rushed her into the pediatric intensive care unit at that time, and then, then, of course, it was change of shift, and I went to the male nurse, and I said, hey, my baby's stomach is really big, and she's super heavy. They brushed in a bunch of doctors, and the doctor says, we don't know what we're looking for, but we're taking her to surgery. And so, and I'll never forget this moment. It was just like it was yesterday. I called Kevin. He had taken Hannah and Trinity back to Carthage. And um, so it was just, yeah, it was horrible. So, and then at that point, um, they brought a chaplain in. And at this point, I still don't know, like, 
like what's going on or anything and um they brought her in and then we we had some a few words and then I just remember this overwhelming peace that came over me and it was just like God put me into this sleep and I can't tell you how long that surgery was but when the surgery was over is when I woke up and it's not like somebody came and woke me up it's just I you know I woke up and the doctors came and at that point they put her in a medical coma and we had multiple 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 surgeries she's had over 30 surgeries but anyway so um that's when i would say our journey really began hmm. well wow. and i think a uh, one thing that i love to point out to people because i you know we have somewhat of a connection in terms that we have daughters young daughters who went through obstacles very early on as children medical type things uh, that were very difficult but i think what I want to encourage people with is that God knows what we need when we're going through the things we're going through. And even for our family, when we had a daughter, Gabrielle, that was going through a lot of hardships as in her birth and potential uh, life-threatening type things that were coming at her. The one thing that we always remember back to is that there, what you just brought up is there was an amazing sense of peace that carried us through those times. Not necessarily that we are happy, not necessarily that, you know, I got to, I always say, not like I woke up every morning, he's like, oh, yeah, I love Jesus. This is, oh, you're so awesome, Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. But yet, there still was peace. There was still the things that God, that I needed from God during that time that drew me to his heart. Mm-hmm. And part of that was I had to respond to him as well. So let me rewind just a little bit. Now, Kenmarie and her story, did you know that she was going to have this condition when she's in your womb or um the esophageal atresia yeah um they told us that she could but they wouldn't be able to know for sure until she was born okay so um and she did yeah and physically when she was born is that something you physically see or you you know or yes so um i look like i was carrying triplets because when your child does not have an esophagus they just pee, pee, pee. And oh, usually wow. in the womb, the baby pees, they swallow their pee and they pee again. So your womb doesn't get huge. So imagine she just keeps going. So I look like I was carrying triplets. They had to take needles and take two, three liters off of me every so often at the end. Um, wow. So yeah, it was it was miserable, but worth it. <laughs> Great medical point, by the way. You know, I love to tell my kids that like, yeah, you drank your pee to stay alive in your mom's womb. You know, like, oh, well, that's what you did. That's how it works. Okay. That's how God made the system. So right. uh, anyway, so she's born with that. And what happened in terms of, I mean, be leading up to that. And when she's born, what's happening in your faith in that moment? Were you scared? Were you, I mean, what's happening spiritually? Oh, spiritually, oh, I... Were you discouraged? Were you... Oh, with that, I just, my faith at that point wasn't where it is today, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Um, Totally, I wouldn't say that, I I would have still called myself a Christian, but I wouldn't say that I was living the Christian lifestyle. Okay. Yeah. So at this point, Kevin and I were living together. At that point, I mean, Kenna Marie was born out of wedlock. So, I mean, like all that was like, yeah, totally. Yes, I consider my Christian, myself a Christian, but totally not living yeah. did the that, lifestyle. What, did that stir up this in this moment with your daughter? Did that stir up anything? Did that, I mean, a lot of people, when they go through intense times, 
even though they don't have anything to do with God, instantly turn to God all of a sudden. Absolutely. Sometimes authentically, sometimes un- unauthentically. Was that a response that you had immediately, like, Jesus, we need you? Or um, I was going to another church in town, I'll just leave it at like that, and um, they were very condemning, very condemning of me being pregnant and the situation um, at that point. So I was a little, didn't know where... I really was at that point, but after I went to Kansas City to finish my pregnancy, they shipped me there back in January, um, Kevin's um, family member, I think it was a cousin or something, he's blind and he plays and he's like a traveling evangelist. And so he was going to be at in Kansas City Church um, doing an evangelism outreach thing. And so Mm -hmm. we went and we totally got plugged in. And that would be my first experience with a um, Pentecostal full gospel type of a church. And I would say that's when that everything started clicking like, okay. And so, yes. Mm -hmm. How did that intertwine in terms of Ken and Marie's health issues and your connection with Jesus? What was the timeline in that where things start clicking with your relationship with God and your family and where she's at in terms of physically. Okay. So I got sent to Kansas city about January. Okay. And she wasn't born until March. So from January to March, after they let me get out of St. Luke's and I was at um, the Ronald McDonald charities being pregnant with her, but I would get to go to this full gospel church and that church just loved on me and the situation. And I still consider that my Kansas City church. <laughs> and so I would say that that church was the one who really just impacted me and said, you know what? Yeah, you made mistakes, but, you know, there's grace and God loves you. And he mm-hmm. wants to be a part of that, this. And, you know, he's going to do amazing things, you know. And so I think at that point is just like that church just loving on me then that just, it just changed everything 360. So by the time she, you know, was born, so this is three months later, and then she was five months old when she had her first surgery. So you're talking, you know, mm-hmm. a good time before the yeah. the really scary What was the name of that church happened. in Kansas City? You want to give them a shout out? Um, no, I can't remember. You can't? <laughs> it was a little bitty church. We don't remember what your name is, church, but you were awesome. They were awesome. <laughs> they were super awesome. But that, how would you, let, let's hang on that for just a second. How would you, what do you want to communicate to the church, me being a pastor, the church in regards to lifestyle? Sometimes when people, maybe they're not living this lifestyle that measures up to the things that we, maybe we should be aspiring to and, and, and you know what I'm saying in terms of the church, what would you communicate to them? I mean, you said this church loved you and that really brought you back really to where you needed to be. And is that your encouragement today to churches? Like, Hey, love people, love yeah. care for them. You know what's your, yeah, I think, um, I think it's the thing I would say is just like, you know, we're all sinners. We all fall short. And I don't care if you've never done, you don't feel like you've ever done anything wrong in your life. Guess what? I bet you have, you Mm -hmm. know, I mean, because scripture doesn't lie. Everybody has fallen short. So what I would say, instead of condemning somebody, why don't you go and figure out how you can just love them and let them know that no matter what, maybe your sin is outward, 
but it's okay. Jesus loves you and he has mercy and basically he's not mad at you. All you have to do is repent and it's just all washed away and it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So um, I think it's just finding people and loving them where they're at versus going through there with just like this little needle, you know, and just yeah. finding everybody's flaw. I mean, there's no joy in that. I feel at times we're very good at burying people in the Christian church, you know, that we're we're so quick to someone makes a mistake, et cetera, mm-hmm. that, you know, man, it's, it's, it's over. And I kind of mentioned that the other Sunday talking about Joseph and David, we're right. preaching about Joseph and, you know, in these defining moments in his life, he conquered and he won and you know, Joseph's kind of the perfect story. Right. But then there's people like David who was, mm-hmm. you know, the adulterer that made some blatant mistakes, right. not in as an unbeliever, but as a believer in God, so right. to speak, but yet God still had redemption. Now, the point being, which we always have to make sure to reiterate, is that he did repent and he had a real heart that's like, Lord, I'm sorry, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me, cast me not away from your presence, restore unto me the joy of my salvation, take not your Holy Spirit from me. You know, I mean, he really cried out, right. but yet um, there's redemption, there's grace. And I mean, we have to have that in, in the life of the church today. And we do have to have a fine balance in terms of, we kind of talked about this last night and Wednesday night that we do have to stand for truth. We have to stand for God's word. And there was moments in the new Testament where people blatantly defied, you know, the word of God, like in, in lifestyle and word and deed. And there was a time for the church to stand up against that. But there's no doubt that I think um, this issue of grace and mercy has, especially because we're living in more of a sinful world. I mean, more and more people are sinner. I mean, we're all sinners. I mean, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but yet we're living in such a sinful world. For example, take an issue of divorce, right? Right. I mean, who, I I don't mean to say this in a bad way or that it's acceptable who, but in sometimes it's like, who isn't divorced nowadays? Right. I mean, I mean, if we said, you know, like you can't be divorced and go to church, I don't know who would be able to go to church anymore. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't stand up I've never, I've never been divorced. I'm going on 20 years of marriage. I want to keep rolling. Um, but you know, there's going to be divorced people coming to our church. There's going to be people of, of not that sin. And we have to be willing to say there is a God of grace and a God of mercy. There is a God who still dreams, dreams over your life that has plans and purposes for you that wants to make a David out of you that wants to make make you a man and a woman after God's own heart. So anyway, sorry to hop on that tangent a little bit, but I think it's a good point to bring up uh, for people. And I want, I want to be that kind of pastor where people can walk in broken, Mm -hmm. struggling, and rather than being like, man, you're just a horrible sinner and you're not. And trust me, I'm going to preach hard at certain things. And I preach hard at the believers. I mean, even last night, Wednesday night, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh man, did I get a little too crazy here and go a little too hard, hard at us? But so I want to call us to higher heights and greater depths and deeper levels, et cetera. But yet that this God of grace and love, we sang it last night in church, how he loves us, mm-hmm. that God loves us in spite of our sin, in spite of our failures. So anyway, let's dive back into your story. You're walking through the struggle. So you're kind of five months in where all this starts to unravel and what's happening there. So um, they take her and now she's in a, she's had her big surgery. They found out that um, she, her intestines have volvalized. And at that point they said, if we can save 20 centimeters, she, she'll be okay. 
So because it was so bad, they had to take her in, and they would just resect or cut off um, the amount that was totally dead, and they did that several, several, several times. And then finally he goes, okay, we're going last in one more time. So he went in one more time, and he comes out with his head down, and he's like, I'm so sorry, but we can only save eight centimeters. And so as a parent, um, it was very discouraging. So they bring her out, whatever, and then they get her off of the medical coma. And they came in, and they said, enjoy your time with your child. And so, of course, I'm one, I'm big one on this one, is it's called medical practice, not medical perfection. And a physician is not going to tell me how many days my child is numbered. That's God's mm-hmm. job. Right. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so then I get online and I find a hospital and I who specializes in this. So, so we ended up being taking her to Boston Children's once she was medically stable. And we mm-hmm. shipped her out there. And she was there until Thanksgiving. So it's a very long journey for us. So, And now she's going, and, and she's a how old now? Um, she didn't come out. I tell people she didn't come out of the hospital until she was almost nine months old. Wow. Yes. And she's how old now? Uh, she's, oh, right now she's seven years seven. old, almost yep. eight. Yes. And from that point, you're still battling with oh, yes. Yes. So, medical things and sickness mm-hmm. and Yes, yeah, so Kenna Marie has, at this point in her life, has had probably close to almost 40 surgeries. She's not quite there, but I think she's had like 38 surgeries now. Um, so we take her back and forth to Boston Children's. She is in and out of the hospital more than the average child, for sure. Um, so we have to be careful well, on that. So let's dive into the nitty-gritty of this. How do you be a Christian in the midst of that? Mm. How do you not? How do you not? follow Jesus? How do you not is okay. the real question. So my thing is... I received is, that rebuke. No, <laughs> <laughs> so my thing is um, when you go into these hospitals and you see, especially when we go to the East Coast, but um, even here in the Midwest too, when you go into the hospital, especially children's hospitals, you see these parents and you are around nothing, these faces of hopelessness because... I mean, those are their children, and your children are your most precious gift from God. And it's like, I don't know how they do it. And so I remember there's a point in my life where I'm like, God, how can I go back to the hospital again? And I just remember him telling me, you don't have to, you get to. And that's when my perspective really changed, (laughs) is I get to go to the hospital. I have friends who have had to bury their little ones that are Kinnamary's age. So I I changed my perspective, and then it's like, okay, God, if that's – I'm going to take that mentality. Now tell me who am I going to minister to at the hospital. And every time my daughter goes to the hospital, I'm always like, okay, God, who are you giving (laughs) me? Let me know who they are and let me have a word or comfort or something, whatever they need. I think that's a great point is how do you not have God? Mm-hmm. I, I describe it like this for some people. It's like they're hoping in hope regarding a hopeless situation. You know, all they yeah. have is hope to hope and hope, but hoping hope just leads to hopelessness. There's nothing, right. there's no basis. There's right. no foundation. Their hope comes from God. 
Right. You know, we read the Bible, it says in God, there's faith, there's hope, there's love. And so you, you can't even have me, my opinion, biblically, mm -hmm. you know, you can't even have hope without God. And yet people are existing in this. So God carries us through these storms and these trials and these tribulations. What are some of the main things you, you're learning in your faith through this time, even uh -huh. up to today? All even from up to today. I would say when God puts adversity and trials in your life, just to not be so discouraged to go just to lean and love and let him love on you and just get I feel like that's when you really really need to get into the word and I feel like that's always giving men me comfort and um yeah if you just have a positive outlook on it and figure out who you can go and bless in the situation and your advice what's your advice for people who are followers of Christ to, to serve other people like you? I know it's kind of a selfish question, mm -hmm. but if you can, you know, encourage people, because sometimes I think we, you know, we know people are going through hard times and as followers of Christ, you know, it's not that maybe we don't love people or, you know, what's advice if someone's going through, here's what I, I would encourage you to do. Um, I mean, it could be something as simple as just actually pray for them or actually spend a little bit of time with them. What's something that you tell a follower of Christ? And when you see people walking through these hard times, do this, because this is what I would want to be. Here's what I, uh, in, not in a bad way, but here's what I wish people would do more often for people walking through struggle, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, so in that situation, first thing I would say is to um, pray, pray foremost. If it's a family and there's siblings involved, figure out if you can like, go and love on those siblings because a lot of times you think of just the parent and the child that's ill and then the rest of the family gets kind of left out and mm -hmm. a lot of times I think of people would have been like hey can I take Hannah and Trinity to McDonald's or Burger King or to the park or something like that so that that gives them you know some mm -hmm. kind of outlet because they're going through it too I mean they went like eight months without a mom I mean mm -hmm more than that probably but wow. and so and it's just yeah i don't have the time this just the time to tell the story of gabrielle on this episode but in terms of gabrielle i remember we were living in california we are now in omaha living at a ronald mcdonald house and we are still going to church on wednesday sunday etc in a church called glad tidings in omaha nebraska it was interesting on a sunday morning we were there going to church and we didn't announce it we didn't you know i didn't go up to the pastor and it was a large church but i still didn't go hey i'm a pastor you know i'm with the sons of god like we're going through this tough time i didn't announce it i was just there mm -hmm. at the church just participating in the service and and that service the first one we went to this church this couple turned around and like hey how are you guys and just began to get to know us and all of a sudden i'm along the short story the long story is my wife actually knew these people and went to church with the wife growing up and this family ended up the next the next 10 to 12 weeks we were there in Omaha ended up just adopting us they they had us over a couple times mm -hmm. they bought some clothes for Zoe I think and and just the issue I guess what I'm trying to say is adoption that mm -hmm. be and be aware I tell people this all the time on Sunday morning be aware the Bible tells us we're supposed to come to church ready to minister to someone and that family came to church ready to minister. They could have bypassed me. They could have just said, man, that's really, I feel really bad for you. Um, 
they could even just pray to prayer and that still would have been good, right. but they went above and beyond and, and began to say, you know, we're going to adopt this family. We're going to take ownership over them and they're going to be the ones that we love and we care for. If we just di all did that, all of us, right. we just one family, one couple, it's called discipleship. You know, when, if you would just take ownership over someone in the life of the church, it could change the life of a, of, of a person and a family. And I, that's a great point because Pastor Ron or Brother Ron um, was him and his wife were the ones who adopted us from that Kansas City. And they did. They would come up there and they would spend time and, you know, stuff like that. And, it, yeah, they would just love on us. And I think that's probably where a lot of that growing and, yeah, mercy came in. I think God gives all of us, uh, I would say it like this, all of us an anthem of life. What's your life anthem? What's your, the thing that drives you in terms of what's your sermon? What's the message that God has for you? What, what is the one thing that you find yourself over and over again proclaiming in regardings to who Jesus is to other people? You feel like you have a thing is. or certain things that emanate out of you? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, For me, no matter what happens in life, I always find my place myself in a place of doing missions. I always find myself in a place of worship and leading other people in worship. I always find myself wanting to lead people deeper into the spirit. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Those are things that just anthems that come out of me without any effort, without any someone telling me. They're just things that flow out of me. You feel like you have a message, an anthem, a message that God has given you. I think mine would be more compassion and finding people in certain situations. I seem to gravitate to people who are hurting, especially in the medical realm, um, and giving them hope through Jesus in that realm. I think that would probably be in my workforce and then in, you know, just in life. So you've walked through this crazy time in life regarding your daughter. You're still walking through it today. Still difficult, still tough, a lot of obstacles. What, what do you tell people regarding the difficulties of life? You know what? It, life, no matter what, is going to be difficult. Um, and I just say take it and just lean in on Jesus and figure out how whatever situation you're going through, turn it for the positive. Find the positive. There's a positive. When Kenna Marie was in medical coma, you know what? There was positivity there. I got to help another parent who was, um, their child didn't turn out so well, but I got to help lead them to Jesus. And you know what? If Kenna Marie, not that I would ever want her to be in a medical coma, but you know what? I was able to minister to somebody else in that time. And I think no matter what you're going through, there's always someone that you can minister to and so it just have Amen. a great perspective and i know it's for those of us that are followers of jesus that it, sometimes it might sound like a cheesy repetitive verse but it's true god is good and he's working all things together for our good he has good plans he's wanting to do good things in us yes. in the midst of the obstacle in the midst of the trial and that's where we become who we are i think at the end of the day when we walk through these severe moments it defines us it can 
it can it can do one of two things. It can take you farther away from God, or it can take you right into the heart of God. And I want to encourage you, those of you today that are listening, to just if there's obstacles, struggles, just let it take you to the heart of God, not farther away. And so I hope this story encouraged you. That's what we want to do, and I hope it helps you. You might be going through something today. We pray for you. I'm, I'm praying that this testimony, this story, encouraged you and your faith walk with Christ. Hey, we thank you for joining us on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Remember, like it, share it, do all those kind of things. We will talk to you next time. Thank you very much.